In the last few years, I've noticed that more and more people, if you're, let's say you're hanging out with somebody and you're at a table, you're in some sort of situation where you're just hanging out. I've noticed more and more when people have their smartphones out, or as I call them, nature phones, but when they have their phones out, they put them face down, which is not intuitive. You know, the way phones are built, they're not intuitively designed to where you'd place them face down. Hey, Batty, come on. You know, because you think about the screen is something you're trying to protect. You know, you're always worried about your screen cracking, getting dirty. So it doesn't necessarily make sense that you would place the screen face down on a hard, potentially dirty surface. But that's what more and more people are doing. And I've just gradually noticed this. I've gradually noticed this with people I know because it's not something that I've ever intuitively done myself. It's not something I do. I never actually even thought to do it. And I would say I'm more private and secretive than a lot of people I know, believe it or not. I'm just, I'm the sort of person where even if I'm at a job doing work, I don't like people to be able to see my screen. Like if people are walking behind me, if people are coming up behind me, it greatly disturbs me that somebody can see my screen, no matter how innocent it is. It could be completely innocent. Just the idea that somebody is seeing what I'm doing. To me, it's not their right. To me, someone else doesn't have the right to do that. In the same way, they don't have, they don't have the right to go up and look in your window. Yeah, people are going to pass by. Like People are going to walk by you and they might see your screen. People are going to walk by your house. Like I, I walk by houses all the time and I glance, I just glance at the window and I happen to see somebody in there. You know, that's inevitable, but you know, there's a difference between that and going up and looking in the window. There's a difference between just passing by somebody who's on a computer and glancing at it because it's an object in the room versus going up and looking. What's that? Because people will do that. I mean, that sounds insane, but there are people who will do that. They'll walk up and be like, what is that? What are you looking at? And that's like, whoa, I can't believe that you would even do that. I can't believe you would even ask that. And so with smartphones, I understand it on that level where you don't necessarily want somebody seeing what you have on your phone or what you're doing. But what's interesting about phones is it revolves around communication. Hey, Batty, what's up? Hey, come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Anyway, I'm not going to yell come here anymore. I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, you know, with, with phones, what's interesting is it's it's more interactive where it's like, it's not that you necessarily have something up on your screen that you don't want people to see. It's that you don't want people to see who you're receiving communication from, notifications, messages. And so as our lives have become more public... And even if you resist, your life is more public. I mean, the example I always use is like, even if you, let's say that this is how I view technology today. This is how I view trying to be off the grid. Or like when someone's like, I don't even have social media. I I don't even have, I don't even have a Facebook account. You know, when someone says that, I'm like, well, yeah, that's, that, that is important. That is an important decision in our society today to not volunteer part of yourself out into the public world like that. But the way I see that is just, you know, you can win battles that way, but you're not going to win the war where like, let's say, let's say somebody's a developer is building a shopping mall and they're like, I'm going to buy all the houses in this neighborhood and tear them down so that I can build my sprawling shopping mall, a shopping mall. 
And there's one person who's lived there. They're old. They're elderly. And they're like, I'm not selling. I've lived here for 70 years. I'm not selling you my house. My kids grew up in this house. My late husband lived in this house. I'm not selling this house to a freaking shopping mall. And so they resist. And then the developer buys all the other houses and does build a shopping mall. And that person stayed there. They won that battle. That old person won that battle. They're still in their old house. But now when they look out their window, they're surrounded on on all sides by modernity and development and shopping malls and who knows what else. So it's like they might have won that battle and held their ground, but it's like, guess what? You're not off the grid. You're you're still right there in it. You're actually closer to modernity, modernity than you would have been. And that's kind of how I feel about people who try to resist. Well, I think I think it's effective to not be on social media, to not have those accounts, because they're so tempting. There's so much pressure, really, to have them. Not even direct pressure. There's an indirect pressure in our world today to have those in order to be seen as a, a sane and normal human being. You're almost expected to have those sorts of accounts one way or another, even if you lie about it. Because I know multiple people, people I consider friends, <laughs> who claim to not have them, but do. They claim to not have social media accounts, but they do. And I'm not going to out anybody, but it's funny that it's something that they don't want people to know. They don't want people to know they, are, they too, are participants. But, you know, I think you run that sort of... That's that's the possibility when you try to resist these things. When you try to resist being in this digital public that we have now, you're still going to end up there. Like if you have a significant other, she's still going to take pictures of you that she posts online. Somebody is still going to... Information of you is still going to get out there. So anyway, though, but people like, you know, responding with this added element of secrecy, putting their phones face down. I've just noticed that recently. I imagine people have always been doing it as long as they've been carrying these these phones around, but I've noticed that more and more people are doing it, probably because they see other people doing it. And just the way that people handle privacy in an increasingly public world is interesting to me too, especially romantically. You know, a lot of people have different approaches to romance. And it even goes back to these... To movie stars, like you think about the production houses in early Hollywood who didn't let their famous actors and actresses, they didn't let them, you know, they didn't allow them to have public relationships. Or if they were married, they downplayed it because they felt that the audience would be. Basically, basically it was it was a way to manipulate the audience because it's like if if uh, if young men know that Marilyn Monroe is dating so-and-so, they they no longer have a chance with her. Even though it's all fantasy, it plays on this element of fantasy where it's like, yeah, these, these, these men across the country, they have no chance with Marilyn Monroe, but you keep the public in the dark about her dating life, her marriage status, because them having some sort of fantasy where they can end up dating, marrying, doing other things to Marilyn Monroe. You know, that's an important part of marketing her. 
That's an important part of marketing these movies. And you hear about that with men, too. I know they did, they did that with Elvis. I read about that in an Elvis book where there was a period where they didn't allow him to... Basically, he had to be extremely private about his romantic life because so many young girls idolized him they, or, or they worshipped him. You know, they, they wanted a chance with him. And you can see where individual people do that now with social media. I know that's a thing with cam girls. I've never looked at a single webcam show. I've never had any involvement in that world um, of like looking at cam girls. But I've heard stories about that. I know somebody who was upset when they found out a cam girl had a boyfriend. And so that's the same form of that. Like It's all fantasy. You know, where you have a fantasy about this person, and even though you're not interacting with them directly, and chances are you'll, you'll never meet them, it's a service, basically. Part of your investment in this service is the fact that they are theoretically single, or you at least don't know if they are single or not. And I mean, that plays a big role. I mean, the way that a man is going to interact with a woman on social media or a woman is going to interact with a man, is impacted significantly by whether or not they believe that person is dating somebody or married. And I'd be willing to bet, I wouldn't even bet, I would say it's just a fact. I'm just going to go ahead and say that this is a fact, but the way that a lot of people use social media, when they're looking at, like, like let's say they, they meet a new woman and they become uh, Facebook friends. There's a good chance that they're going to look through her profile to try to determine if she's in a relationship or not. And that's a weird angle to it, too, because I've mentioned before that I don't do much digging. Like back when I was dating, like every once in a while you would inevitably do it. But when I was dating, I I didn't do much digging because I didn't want to. It just I don't know. I, I felt like it corrupted things. Like when you've scoured a girl's entire Facebook profile, when you've looked at every picture and seen all of her posts, it corrupts everything. Like it, it takes away an organic element where like she's going to tell you things, but you already know them because you saw them. And then for that matter, it's like there's, an, it, there's something sick about that too, where it's like if you go through somebody's social media profile, there's a good chance you're going to see their ex-boyfriend's you're going to you're going to have this visual window into their past that you never would have had otherwise unless they like had old pictures in a scrapbook or something so you you're able to put faces to names and stuff in this way i don't know i just i just really don't like that as much as i do like having access to information as a general rule i don't really like having access i don't yeah i don't really like having access to somebody's entire history and there are people who delete that stuff which is always funny like there are people who who go through and they delete every photo of them with their ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend. But a lot of them just leave it up. It's it's a timeline of their life. There's a reason why these things are called timelines. But you know, one of the main ways I believe that men and women use social media when meeting somebody new or when learning about a romantic interest is to try to determine if they're single or not. And it's not always obvious. Even though there are obvious ways to signal it, you know, the, Facebook had like the, the Facebook relationship status, which added a, a whole new component, like a whole new level of commitment. 
you know, people make fun of teenagers for being like, I'm going to give you my ring. Oh, those 1950s teenagers who were like, let's go study and I'm going to give you my ring. Oh, it's so silly. Meanwhile, like people, the same people who would mock that are sitting there having these intense conversations about when and how to go Facebook official, as they said. I only ever had one conversation about that when I was dating my coworker and she was like, eventually she was like, I think I'm ready to be Facebook official. And that was doom. Like the relationship ended a week later. <laughs> so it was just funny though, because it was, she was so serious about it. I think I'm ready. But it makes, I mean, I, I don't mean to trivialize that either because you're communicating to most of the people you know that you're in a relationship. And if you're a woman, you're going to get a lot of questions, which she did, it turned out. Like even from random dudes who I think still thought they had a chance with her. Like she told me a guy messaged her and was like, what's up with that? Who's that guy? Somebody who had no business even asking that. But it was obviously some guy, you know, sometimes it's like somebody's intent shines right through where it's like, this is probably a guy who was waiting around, like, she might as well be Marilyn Monroe, and he has some sort of fantasy that she's available. And then he sees that she's not, because there's a, there's a Facebook status change. And he, he wants to, he's like, what's, oh, he's, he's upset. Because a lot of people would be upset by that. You know, it's one thing if it's your ex-girlfriend... Or something like that, where you, there's some level of emotional investment, where you, it's like, oh man, she found someone new. Oh my god, she found someone new. Oh god, you know, it's like, like that's one thing. But to have never had any kind of romantic interaction with somebody, there's a lot of people who would get upset on that alone. There's a lot of people who, like, you know, they're probably going to be less friendly to somebody if they find out they now have a boyfriend. But it's funny to me that we've added this layer of commitment, which I think is is meaningless now. I mean, I think that's come and gone. I have to imagine as Facebook has just become more dominated by, you know, your parents, by politics, I think that that component has probably changed. Not completely, though. Not entirely. There are still people who use it for that. I see it. There are still people who use it as kind of a way to share their new relationships with the world. But it is funny to me, like this new layer of commitment, like I want to give you my ring. We've been going out for two months and I want to give you my ring. We've been going out for two months and I think we need to have the talk. It's time to be Facebook official. Just adds a funny new element to it and people think deeply about it. I mean, I've heard people say things about that. I've heard people talk about that where it's like, oh, well, you know, it's too soon to be Facebook official. (laughs) I think you need to wait at least three months. People develop the system. And, you know, I think that just needlessly complicates it. But just going back to that idea of like secrecy, too, of like, you know, the sort of person who who keeps their phone face down, because the reality of that is that that might be somebody who's expecting problems if if they get the message from the wrong person and the wrong person sees it. You know, it's just, I mentioned that in a recent episode, just how we live in this time where it's like, 
if you're a man or you're a woman, your significant other has this device with them that allows anybody, including your rivals, including other suitors, no matter how secure your relationship is, other suitors have access to your significant other in a way that they never would have before. You know, it used to be where it would be a phone call, like the classic scenario like where a, a guy calls at the house and asks for your wife, and it's like, a male voice called the house and asked for my wife. What the heck? What the heck? And that's, uh, who knows how many awful situations played out just for that alone. And there's the, oh, it's my brother. It was just my brother. But, like, just think about that. Like, I think about female friends of mine. Like, I I, I talked at length about just the politics of, of having female friends. And you might have listened to that and been like, is this even worth it? And I just have to clarify, too. Like, I have no friends right now. <laughs> like, I, I probably came across, like, in the, in the episode, like, I have all these friends. I have this lush social life. I, I have. I have had one. But uh, not, not anymore. I'm just, I'm very, I've retreated. I've just retreated from everything, you know, I, I've burned no bridges, but I've just kind of retreated, I just, I don't have it in me, I'd rather just talk about it, and then when I do talk about it on this show, I feel like I'm talking about a life that I no longer live, and it's not morbid, it's not negative, it's not depressing, it's just kind of like, I feel like I'm talking about a different life, uh, but anyway, like, you know, you might hear that and be like, Jesus, like, the politics of just being a man who's friends with a, pla- like, a man who maintains a platonic friendship with a woman, like, that's so complicated. You can almost understand, like, why Mike Pence doesn't want to be alone in the room with a woman. You know, that whole thing, like, Mike Pence has a rule where he refuses to be alone in a room with a woman. And it's funny that liberals made fun of him for that, because it's like, isn't that what you want? Like, isn't that, like, because, you know... Like, there's a rule that some companies have developed where if a woman is meeting with a male supervisor, another woman has to go with her. And isn't that kind of a form of what Mike Pence is doing? Like, basically, he's saying, like, it's not Mike Pence being like, oh, I, you know, if I'm alone with a woman, like, I'm just, I'm inevitably going to make a move on her. If I'm alone, it's just, he's probably, like, removing an unnecessary complication. Yeah, it's evangelical, it's weird, it's religiously motivated. I'll admit it's weird. I mean, I think it's strange to say that, you know, uh, I, I refuse to be alone in a room with a woman. But you understand it. You understand why that is. And if you've been alone in a room with a woman, even if you're a platonic friend, even if there's nothing, even if it's professional, there's a part of you that your mind just goes there. Not like, oh, I'm, I'm thinking about having sex. Like, not even that crass or explicit. Just you think, oh, I'm a man and this is a woman and we're alone. Your mind is aware of that. So you kind of understand someone like Mike Pence. But, you know, just to get back to my point, though, is, is just, you know, adding this this level of secrecy and everything and like, having female friends, which again, like I understand like the way I broke that down, the way I explained that sounds really complicated and it is, but it's also worth it. You know, it's also worth it to have close friends who aren't men. Like if you're a man, it is worthwhile to have close friends who are women. It truly is. You, you get a different perspective for one. And, uh, but, but anyway, uh, 
what makes that easier in today's world is that not all of your communication has to be direct. Like, like you can be friends with women in today's world and you don't have to call each other. You can talk through messages. You can arrange to meet up, you know, through messages and it's not all direct. Whereas like if you had a female friend in decades past, like imagine just calling her house and like her husband answers and be like, Oh, Hey, can I talk to Gwendolyn? Hey, it's Mike. Hey, Mike, it's Mike. We're both named Mike. Can I talk to Gwendolyn? It's a little weird, like the idea of calling somebody's house because you're friends with a man's wife. I mean, you start to understand why Mike Pence is the way he is. He's a Mike. He's, he's the third Mike. <laughs> There's three Mikes in this story. There's me. <laughs> There's me, this theoretical husband, and there's Mike Pence. Somehow my name is Mike now. I don't know how that happened. But anyway, it's weird. The idea of like calling a woman who's married and like talking to her husband and be like, hey, I'm, I'm calling just to chat. Like, we're just going to talk. I need to talk about something, you know. It's a little weird. And there's a reason why that wasn't the norm. But so text messages, you know, is that too. Like where all these people theoretically have, like, like your, your girlfriend's ex-boyfriend has access to her unless she's blocked him. Unless she's blocked him on every single service, like she's, she has to have blocked his phone number, she has to have blocked him on social media, or, you know, and even then, though, he can still get a hold of her. And whereas you, it used to be where, like, he would have had to have written a letter or called, and so it's much easier to do, and, and I mean, who knows how much that plays a role in the secrecy of people like keeping their smartphones face down on tables. It's like probably a lot of it involves potential, you know, it, probably a lot of that involves like the politics of, of romance, you know, and they just don't want people to see who's messaging them. I don't know. I mean, I, I'll never, I will never challenge somebody's desire for secrecy or privacy. I'm totally cool with that. But I am aware of the fact that we have developed this sort of response to our increasingly public lives by doing things like keeping our smartphones face down, even though that's not intuitive. That's not how they were necessarily built. But getting this view into people's lives, like like thinking about the way that relationships are presented on social media... Now that they've been around for so long, now that Facebook and Instagram accounts have been around for so long, you see where some people, you you can tell who the serial monogamists are, and it's kind of funny. And you can tell who's very public. You know, because there's a certain sort of person, like even getting away from the silliness of like Facebook official relationships, just the idea of communicating at all, like posting photos with somebody. Like, there is a, a point in a relationship where you share that with the world that you're spending time with this person somehow. And that's a pretty big, it's, it's, even if it's not an announcement, it's an announcement. And my friend Paula, she, she made an observation years ago that made me laugh, which is just, the, she was like, have you ever noticed how new couples always have to like post their adventures they're always posting photos of like oh we went on this hike <laughs> they're always posting like all these adventures they're going on oh we, we took this road trip to to this place oh look at this weird place and it's always kind of goofy it's always very young 
and it's sweet. It's very sweet, but it's funny. Like she she pointed that out, and I hadn't quite noticed that it was it was there, but I hadn't quite noticed that. Oh yeah, you know, new couples, people who are newly dating, because part of the, when you're when you're dating somebody for the first time, you're you're constantly having to come up with activities to do, even if you don't have to, even if you could just hang out. There's this pressure to come up with activities, and so the result is sh- sharing those with the world too. Because I think people also want to communicate with the world that, hey, I'm dating. I found someone. I'm not a loser. I'm not an incel. I, I found somebody. And so I think all of that plays a role. It's like the excitement, you know, the, you know, but also this desire to let people know about it. And, and it is funny. It does play out. There's a pattern. It's always like hikes. It's always like, like today, it's like, oh, we, we went and tested out dark beers. We tested out stouts at the craft brewery. And it's like pictures of them with like a flute. I don't know if you call it, there's like a wine flute where they bring in an assortment of wines. I don't know if you, I don't know if beer has flutes or if it's some like samples. They're called sample, a flute? It's called a sample. No, but people have these like samples of beers. Couples are really into that. Couples are really into new couples, especially. They're really into like letting the world know that they're sampling different types of beer and going on hikes. But yeah, my friend Paula pointed that out and I was just like, ding, ding. Yeah, that is a real thing that people do. But then you get to see like social media has been around long enough now to where you see who the serial monogamists are and you see who has no reservation about doing that. Like in the, especially during coronavirus, it's, it's been very interesting to see people scramble for relationships. And a lot of people have, have kind of been through a revolving door of relationships somehow. You'd think that it would have limited it, but I've known a number of people who have had multiple relationships during coronavirus, and they all kind of follow like a serial monogamy pattern. But what's interesting is like there's a certain sort of person, and it's not necessarily a man or a woman. I actually know a man, and he's he's been through like like multiple of these relationships in the last probably year and a half. And he lives here in Olympia, and he's a great guy, like a really great guy. Like this isn't an indictment of his character in any way. I think he's actually a, a very, if anything, I think it actually just shows that he's he's a very like kind-hearted, like sweet guy. But he. His go-to is like instantly, like when he starts dating somebody, he's instantly posting all the pictures. He's instantly like posting these lovey, these public lovey-dovey messages. And he's like, he's a metal dude. You know, he's somebody who's, who's into dark stuff, but he really gets into these, the revolving door of relationships and broadcasts it right away. Which I, I think there's something kind of nice about that in our current climate, where there are some people who have been dating somebody for years and they keep it a secret. And I sometimes wonder what the motivation is for that. Like someone who takes that to the opposite extreme where they don't want anybody to know they're even married. It really, it makes me think of the whole Marilyn Monroe Elvis thing where the production houses were hiding somebody's marital status or relationship status because they could market them as a, you know, a love, in, uh, the public, they're a love interest to the public. And if you tell the public they're no longer available, well, that changes things. And then there's the fact that some people are very dark and manipulative and they don't want the world to to know 
too obviously that they're in a relationship because they're looking to meet other people. At the very least, they're looking to get attention from other people. So that plays a role, too, is there are people who downplay, downplay very committed relationships, in theory, quote-unquote, committed, but they downplay those because, you know, it's it, if, if they make it too public, people are going to know. And then going back to the fact that one of the core functions of social media, especially when it comes to men and women, is to look at somebody's profile to find out if they're single or not. And I've totally done that. I've totally met women. Maybe I've met somebody at a party. I've met somebody out and about. And she adds me on Facebook and or vice versa. And I do kind of look through because you can tell pretty quickly. You know, beyond like relationship status, whatever that is, like you can just tell from profile photos, you can tell from the way someone presents themselves, whether they're or not they're in a committed relationship. And so it's just interesting the function that all of this serves and the way that we try to navigate it. Just a second here. And then, you know, how it's by default, you know, we're not being very secretive. By default, like like having a public profile is not a secretive thing to do. It's the opposite. But how we still try to maintain our privacy even within that. But I don't know, I, I don't completely understand serial monogamy, even though I'm obviously pro monogamy. I don't entirely understand serial monogamy because what I see a lot from people is they go through a breakup and they're, they're heartbroken and at the very least they're preoccupied with it. Like even if they're not a sad sack who's completely wallowing in it, they're preoccupied with it. And this, this is from my own experience too, where if nothing else, I'm preoccupied with an ex-girlfriend or a situation for a, a certain amount of time afterward. And then you reach a point, though, where you're no longer obsessed with it. You're, you're over it. You know, you're more or less past it. And for a lot of people, they see that as the moment to start dating again. Like some people do that right away. Like some people try to fill the void by casual or, or even serious dating immediately afterward. There's a lot of people, especially women, who go from one to the other with really little break. Like, I mean, just speaking of women friends I have, and this, this isn't an indictment of them, it's just a fact. It just tells me that they're wired differently. They're far more likely, in my experience, to say something like, well, I think this time I'm going to take, like, I'm going to take a break to myself. I'm going to take some real time to myself. And then a week later, they have a boyfriend. A day later, they're already on Tinder. You know what I mean? They, that's, that's a pattern that I see play out specifically with women, where to them, like, taking five days off is finding yourself, is taking a break to find yourself, whereas the men I know will go significant lengths of time, even when they have the option, even when they have the option, but not all of them. Like some of them, like I, like just thinking about a, a one friend in particular, I think he's gotten kind of hooked, and, he, and I don't think he knows what to do with himself. I think that he's been in so many relationships that when he gets out of them, he has no idea what to do with himself in that regard. But I think you need to, I don't know, I think everybody should let things play out to where when you feel good, like if you've gone through a a breakup and you feel good again, 
don't buy into the line that that's when you need to find a new relationship. That's when you, you can enjoy being by yourself again. Because I know for me, like the dilemma that I've always had is that if I'm even da- if I'm even seeing somebody once a week, if I'm seeing a girl once a week, I start thinking I need more time to myself. Because like my ideal arrangement would be we see each other two nights a week. We're totally committed and monogamous. But we see each other two nights a week. I have the rest of the week to myself. <laughs> that would be perfect for me. Unfortunately, nobody likes that. And I've never laid things out in those terms. Yeah, that's a, a bit of an exaggeration, but that's kind of my approach is where it's just like, I don't really have time to, for this every single day or even every other day. But when you're in a relationship, like I know for me, it's like I'm constantly thinking, God, I need more time to myself. And that's what I hear from everybody. Every single dude I know, every every guy I know always ends up feeling that way. Like I need more time to myself, especially if, if it's a creative person. But then you, you break up with somebody, and even if you did it, even if you wanted to break up, you end up so preoccupied and distracted and possibly even distraught that you don't even enjoy that time to yourself. It's like, now I have that thing I was looking for. I have all that time to myself, but I can't even enjoy that time to myself because I'm heartbroken, I'm upset, I'm distracted, if nothing else. And, but then you'll reach a point where you're able to enjoy your time alone again. And for some people, when they reach that point, when they reach some sort of like individual personal contentment, they're able to enjoy their own company again. That's when they try to find another relationship. And I'm like, no, that's when you need to actually enjoy the time to yourself. That's when you're going to do your best personal work. I don't think in terms of growth or any of that, but that is when you're going to grow is when you reach that point where you're over it where it's in your rearview mirror, that's when you can actually enjoy time to yourself again. That's when you can actually evolve. But, uh, but many people think that's the moment you need to get back in, into something. Just something I'm aware of. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can run free, so take